Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 233 of Cyclocross Radio. We are back in the media pit for this episode with Zach, Michael, and myself, and not really the way we wanted to start off our Cyclocross coverage for the 2021-2022 season, but uh, we can't we can't ignore it. We're spending the hour talking about Katie Compton's positive doping test and the ramifications that that positive has not only on Katie herself, but just really the the state of cyclocross in the U.S. and 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 globally. So I didn't know that. I had this much to say on it until we recorded. I really didn't have a, a huge urge to even talk that much on it. I, I don't think that we've spent a ton of time talking about doping in sport on this podcast. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, I don't know. It was a bit of a cathartic conversation uh, for me. I think for the my co-host as well. And I hope for you too. Uh, I, as, as I will say here in a second in the intro, I, I know that not everyone is going to agree with everything we're saying. It's, it's impossible. That's, that's just an impossible goal, but we shouldn't shy away from the discussion nonetheless. Please head over to the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network page, which is wideanglepodium.com. Become a subscriber to this show. We would love your support. You know, we haven't really asked for, maybe this is <laughs> this is fraught with danger with what I'm about to do, but we haven't really asked for uh, you to rate or review the show on Apple Podcasts. But if you could, and if you wanted to leave us a five-star review and leave a, or a rating and leave us a review, a review as well, that, that will help us in the future uh, get more downloads and more listens. Yeah, also um, uh, subscribe to the to the bulletin that Zach and I do. CXR's substack.com that's the cx hairs bulletin we are going to be loading up on the coverage not only from mountain biking and gravel but cyclocross too because tis the season all right we got michael and zach in the media pit we're talking about katie compton and we're doing that right now we are back in the media pit with Zach and Michael. Michael, how's it going? Bill, wow, can I say, I was really chomping at the bit to get back to the pit. Okay, wow, sorry, that that pun is, is, is so old, you might have to do some carbon dating to see if it still works. How you doing, Zach? I'm good. You know, it's funny. I was thinking like, uh, well, I, you know, this is like technically, I know we've had the media pit has been uh, in full effect and, you know, our friend Elizabeth was gracious enough to, to join, to lend her mountain bike expertise. But I feel like this is really kind of the first cyclocross media pit. This is really exciting. This is our third year. Um, but I'm excited to see where this goes. Uh, I like, the quote that Stephen Hyde always used. It's the first day of school. <laughs> it is the first day of school. Uh, so, and, and we're starting out with a, uh, not really a pop quiz. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to joke around too much just off the bat because what we're talking about absolutely sucks. 
And I, I say that not for the individual involved necessarily, but for the sport itself. So I, I think, you know, Zach, you and I got some some uh, just direct call outs. And then I think as a show for the media pit and cyclocross radio, we were asked to, to kind of talk through what happened with Katie Compton and, and the, 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 the doping ban and everything that's going on with her. So that's what we're going to spend at least the first part of this episode uh, addressing And here will be my disclaimer for everyone who is listening. There may, well, here, here's the thing. There there may be a possibility that each and every one of you come out of this together, unified, hating everything we said. That is that I, I will go along with that is a possibility universally. It may be for different reasons that you just may completely disagree with us. I, I get that. More than likely, we're going to piss off at least a portion of the people. We're not going to be hard enough on Katie. We're going to be too soft on Katie. We're going to be, you know, too much in the lap of the UCI or USAD. There, there's no win here. That's what I'm saying. There, there is no win. So I don't think we're even going to try. Uh, I, I think for me personally, when I, when I found out the news, I put out a tweet and I just said, this is sad news. And just saying that, it got a lot of feedback, much of it negative, because it was interpreted that I was saying it was sad for Katie, where I was more saying it was sad for cyclocross and kind of sad for me, you know, because we don't like having these scandals out here. So I I know everybody is kind of on edge about this, especially in in North America. And and that's that's another thing that I think we are going to address is just the difference between the reaction in North America and a North American cyclocross icon, the most decorated cyclocross racer in North American history is tainted at this point, has had a positive doping test, had testosterone in her system that was not supposed to be there. And that's something that that we now have to grapple with. So where do we, where should we even start? Zach, where do we even start with this trying to figure out what's what's going on or how we how we tackle this sure and i well, i mean i think to echo what your you know your opening there i think was great and i'd certainly think that you michael i would agree he probably spoke for us in terms yeah. of uh, i thought that was great in terms of kind of setting the stage uh but you are right we were it was requested and i think you know we at times uh i don't know i think there's a certain level of you know i mentioned this is the third year of doing uh the media pit i think we've kind of established uh, ourselves in a way, uh, you know, again, we have people that tell us they listen to the show and stuff. And so, you know, there is a certain obligation. I mean, I think that our tendency was to, to not talk about this for the reasons that you mentioned, but I think, uh, I appreciate the prodding, uh, that we received, uh, to do it. But at the same time, I don't 
per se think that things we're going to offer are necessarily our personal beliefs, if that makes sense. Because I think that, you know, we've had a lot of discussion and we're still trying to sort it out. But at the same time, we bring kind of the media pit lens and, you know, there, there's questions to be asked. There's, you know, two sides to be presented. And, you know, at least from my perspective, I think, you know, I think there's some questions that I might throw out that might be like, well, you may disagree with part of it, but it's, I think we're kind of obligated to do that instead of maybe be rah, rah, one way or, you know, super hard the other, because uh, I don't think that that is necessarily our role either. If, like you're a good journalist. Michael, anything to, to start out? Yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, this is an issue I actually wanted to talk about. And I'm glad that we're, we're talking about it because when I first heard the news, um, I had a reaction that was, you know, like a lot of people, no way don't believe it. And then I was like, immediately caught myself. And I was like, hang on a second. Like, why? Not so much like, trying to like, act like I know the answer here. But like, what? Why was my reaction that way? And looking at my biases, my biases, um, as a fan, as an American, as you know, someone who's personally been in a race with Katie, you know, it's it's a lot easier to sort of it can be easier to make judgments over people that are far away and sort of removed from you. And so I, I just, I, I like, I like, I like the idea of us discussing what it means in this context. And I may end up, you know, I think I'm kind of end up in the same spot I would with any other writer, but like, I think it was interesting my first reaction and to at least check that and sort of look at that first. Um, and yeah, that was kind of my initial gut there. Uh, so I'll dive, I guess I'll dive right in. So I think that, you know, one uh, case that was omnipresent last season, uh, you know, especially early in the season, I think we came to deal with it was the case of Denise Betsima. Uh, and so it seems like, you know, again, writ large, I think the North American reaction was she's a not pre- even a bad, pre- but she's a cheater. She doped. She got off easy. She shouldn't be racing or whatever. And it seems like, you know, there was no one, uh, very few people, uh, are certainly our Dutch listeners, uh, gave her the benefit of the doubt. But I think there were very few people in the North American cyclocross community who said, hey, you know, what What if What if she got a tainted supplement from, from a pharmacist? And it seems like there's this natural, like people are giving Katie the benefit of the doubt much more. And to me, it's kind of like, well, you know, why is that? You know, what's what's the difference? And does does she does she deserve the the benefit of the doubt that we did not grant as a community to Denise Betsima? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. And I think that, you know, part of that bias is is that. As Michael was saying, we all know Katie, I I I mean, Zach, when you were at Cyclocross Magazine, I'm sure you interviewed her several times, especially after races. You had a working relationship with her. Uh, I created videos with her for track. I mean, she was part of a, you know, a paid um, uh, client relationship that I that I had that she was part of with that with that organization. So and I can tell you and again, this is and this is I think the type of thing that we have to deal with. I can tell you that Katie Compton was one of the easiest people I've ever worked with and one of the nicest and we would sit there and do I'd have her do stupid stuff riding around the parking lot at Trek and sleeping in a tent out near the flyover and she spent all day doing it and had no problem with it and was great to work with. 
I put this out on Twitter as well. Is that evidence that she absolutely didn't do the things that she has been found guilty of? No, it's not at all. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. And, and I think we've, we've seen that in the past. I mean, you can't, you can't take somebody's niceness or meanness and say, well, that has a bearing, or if they're a, if you think they're a good person and say that has any bearing for what they do, especially if this was, I'm not, I don't know, nobody knows if this was unintentional. And that's, that's another, another part of this that I think that we need to address is the Comptons, the Leg Comptons, you know, Mark Leg and Katie Compton, they both worked together on Katie's career, Mark being her husband, were vehemently anti-doper. If somebody was suspected, if somebody was uh, had a, a, a positive test, if anything, any cheating was happening, it's really rare for professional riders outside of North America to say anything about it. But the Compton, uh, Mark Legg and Katie Compton really led the charge on this. So this is another thing where you're saying these are people who obviously felt very strongly about doping in the sport. And then she comes up with a positive step. And, and part of what she would say is if it's in your system, it's in your system. And those are the rules. You break the rules. You, you pay the consequences. And that's that's what happened here. Um, Zach, are you? Uh, yeah, Michael. I just wanted to kind of tail off what you said there about, you know, that news. And, and, and I, I had sort of some, some personal things in, in my life recently. And, and like, yeah, like nice, like dopers have friends, nice people dope. The people you love can lie to you in, in a really hurtful way. So it's like, I think I, I've seen, I, I, Went onto the Facebook to look at Mark Legg's statement, his post. It's still up. It's it's it's, it's pretty out there. A lot of the, he's accusing a lot of things, and I was kind of surprised it was still there. And I saw a lot of this. The, there's a lot of comments there supporting him and Katie, and it's all about. It's all of it is sort of you're the greatest. Like you're so nice. Like like I believe you. Like it's it's the big bad UCI USADA. It's a conspiracy. And like, sure, could some of these things that he's claiming or could it been because of the fuck the the awful burrito from the food truck? Those things. Yeah, they can they can probably happen. But is it probable? And so it's just like it's I I feel like a lot of people don't actually want to deal with that. And they are going back to more of the subjective way of handling this, which I understand um but it's like that like you can and also you can still support katie you can say you know what katie was a good person to be a good racer did awesome things for women you know advanced the sport in many ways but you fucked up you know you're you made a mistake you know and i can i can still love you i can still support you so like there is like it's it's there is no black or white here and and i think that's okay um but like a lot of times people i think people can confuse the grayness of the matter as sort of the way to move forward or like that's an actual answer to the problem or sort of a way to look at it. I don't know. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get a little bit into the, 
into the timeline of things, Zach, maybe. Um, I'll, I'll start out and you can jump in and, and sort of refine what I'm saying or correct it because I think you uh, most recently just uh, read an article with uh, probably a little more knowledge. But the, 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 the crux of it is, and this is where I think a little of the confusion or suspicion has started, is that she was tested. She had a sample that was tested. That sample, uh, the results were negative. There was nothing that was not supposed to be there in that initial test. Yeah, Zach. Can I, can I even jump in here? Yep. Uh, so, I mean, one, so one thing that, uh, and I've been trying to, I have tried to avoid doing the numbers and being like, what are the odds of doing this? Because me, science person, but we were talking to some other riders um, and she's actually on the, the permanent test list. So she gets, you know, because she's won 15 national championships and races in Europe, you know, she gets tested randomly pretty much every year. She said it's happened, you know, 19 times or whatever most cyclocross riders are not on that list. Like you're, you know, your cyclocross rider that, you know, may come on the show or that we may talk about uh, in North America is not getting tested regularly. So uh, to me, that just creates, you know, that's an interesting part of it is that, you know, she was subjected to these tests and uh, this could have occurred for someone else and no one might, no one would have known. <laughs> yeah. So she's on the whereabouts list and everything else that you really see more with, with road racers, which means that every time she travels, she has to tell USADA where she is and she has to have contact number. I saw this a lot more in the world cup mountain biking world where, you know, the, the doping control would show up at a team's, condos that they were renting for the week and it it was precise you know if it said that a certain rider was in room seven and they knocked on room seven and that rider wasn't there you're kind of in trouble already even if they were in room nine in the room right next door so you you know you had to be exact and exactly where you were under this system and she was under that system which is a much higher level of scrutiny than as as you were saying zach many other athletes in North America because they just don't race at that high of a professional level consistently. Uh, so that meant that she was being, this is not an excuse for it. She should be, everybody should be tested that much if we want to have clean sports. So she, she got tested. And the thing is also that that means that she has this uh, biological passport as well, which means that Throughout her career, there are certain, I believe it's testosterone and hematocrit and other levels that USADA keeps track of. So they can see where a person's normal levels are and people's levels are different. You know, there's a, there is a range for human beings on where these levels are. They knew exactly where Katie Compton's normal levels were. So she gave the sample, they tested it, and it came up negative. But at the same time that that sample or after that sample, they were reviewing the biological passport and saw some irregularities in that passport. So, and this is where some of the confusion starts because then they were like, hmm, we need to get that sample and retest it. Now, the thing is, the way I, I was, I've been thinking about this is for COVID, we have the little swab test where, you know, they just like stick it up your nose. It's a, the rapid test, right? The rapid test and the rapid test is cheap. 
and not as accurate as the PCR test, which is the more involved test. They basically did the rapid test on the first one. It was just a routine test. It didn't really test everything. It was just like, if everything's looking good on the biological passport, we do this. Nothing seems out of the ordinary on this test, and we move on. The biological passport, however, triggered the need to do a more in in invasive test, and that's what they did. A much more expensive test, one that would find, uh, would be able to um, explore that sample more um, better. And and that's the one where it came back, and and it it found that her levels of uh, testosterone, right? Is that correct? That's what was measured. Were were um, elevated. And that then, and it was a, not a natural, it was a synthesized testosterone. That's what we, I think, learned from Mark Legg's statement. That did not come out from the USADA statement. That was from his Facebook statement, right? No, Michael? it's in USADA. It's in the USADA uh, statement. They always say that it, it tests for the difference between the, the human-made testosterone and the synthetic, synthetic. and they found okay. synthet synthetic. Okay. So that's 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 where that came up. And at that point, she was informed of this positive test. I believe this was back in March. And they uh, hired an attorney, tried to fight it, but there was really nothing that they could do. And Zach, this is this is where we get into the comparison to the Betsima sample, because she was she knew the source. Right. And she was able to show what had happened and where it came from, where the, where Katie Compton was unable to do that. If there was some, um, uh, uh, something that she ingested that, that, that caused this, that she was not aware she was putting in her body. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think one thing that, uh, we were, <laughs> uh, article that came out in bicycling, uh, Joe Lindsay wrote that was actually super informative. So one important key differential is that, uh, the Batsuma case internationally was dealt with by UCI. Uh, whereas this one with Compton was USADA. Uh, and USADA, um, I think their uh, standard, I, I, I'm going to like, I'm going to call in like my two law classes that I took in grad school, but I think like they hold a much stronger strict liability uh, uh, um, finding. So basically, if you test positive, like you're positive, uh, and it's really hard to prove otherwise, where it seems like uh, the liability is much lower because with Betsima, they were allowed her to show to some level, which we never knew because, you know, we never heard anything about it, but she was had more freedom to, to do that. And then I think this article also pointed out that USADA has just been pretty adamant about the four-year bans. Like you test positive, you're banned for four years. And that kind of created the situation because I think that was one thing that was upsetting. And I think even, you know, I think that was part of Katie's point is like, if you test positive, you should you know, when she was dealing with, um, you know, saying stuff in the media and whatnot, that six months was a joke, uh, which I think is kind of one of the conclusions. I think collectively we've kind of reached that there should be standards across the board. It seems like it, it, it's kind of interesting now that we're learning that there are these different standards. And is is that fair? I, I don't know. And that's that's a huge point to make. And I think should be reiterated that Denise Betsema's ban was handed down by the UCI, not by a doping agency, not by WADA, not by, is there a European doping agency or is that just WADA? So if it did not, and there are all these, you know, each country like has their own doping agency. So 
the, the, she, she is not getting punished under the same system that Katie Compton's being punished. They're completely different. One is from a doping agency that covers all sport. And the other one is from the cycling federation that, as Zach said, is not strict liability. You're, you're able to show, you know, extenuating circumstances with Denise Betsima did. She said that she had this pharmacist, she, that he, you know, she showed what she wanted in this supplement that was being custom made for her and extra stuff that was on the ban list showed up in that supplement. You can believe it. You cannot believe it. That's, I'm not asking you to do either. That is just what happened in her case. And they took that into consideration and gave her a six month ban. I think collectively, do we still think that that ban was too short? Absolutely. It was yeah. six months and it was, it was like a, a, a baseball player who gets, uh, uh, suspended during spring training. It, right. it did not affect her. It affected a couple results later and nothing in the preseason. If, if Katie Compton still was racing and didn't retire, she'd be like 47 years old before she'd be able to, to race again. So it, 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 it does, as opposed to being able to, if it was in March, she would be able to race at the beginning of the season. Right. If this was under the same standards as Betsima, this would have happened and she would still be racing come October one. Right. Cause it was dated to September 16th of 2020, which is when the sample was taken um, so I want to, I want to go back to, um, you know, this idea, I, I'm this, I borrow, I'm going to borrow this from someone else, but basically I think, you know, his point is there's this idea that we think that all dopers are going to be like Muscone or, you know, um, Quinn Simmons with the way he's handled himself. We think they're going to be these terrible people. They're going to be Lance Armstrong and that's not true. <laughs> that's not the case. And so to your point, you know, Bill, I think you, you made a point that it's, it goes into the sentencing phase in a, a legal case, but it's certainly not, um, to be considered like nice people can do bad stuff. Look, like, and we don't know. Look what we have right now. We have Christian Vandeveld who is an announcer on a network, beloved commentator. <laughs> if Tom Danielson, who is a, in some circles, respected cycling coach who is teaching people how to be a cyclist. We have Floyd Landis, who is this lovable pot grower in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Dave Zabriskie. We have all of these people who everybody says are just the nicest people in the world, who were in the most corrupt system ever, maybe, in cycling. A lot of cycling systems are corrupt. Um, and are, you know, it's all just like water under the bridge for a lot of these guys. So, yeah, I think that it's really we have to get beyond the character part of it. And I really think that what you were saying before, Zach, just about the strict liability, that's the way to go. You just have to it has to be a blind eye to who these people are. And it has to be if you want the system to work, it just has to be the testing. And if you believe in the in the system, then the consequences have to follow. Well. I want one thing about a lot of those riders you mentioned, and I don't know all the history here, and you know, I'll admit that I'm fairly new, newer, is that those people admitted, right? Or they eventually admitted, right? It seems to be that the at least with Americans is that we if you admit you you say you're sorry, um, 
that will forgive you and will come around. And as of right now, right, it's uh, the Compton, the Compton um, household, or the they're they're sort of denying everything. Um, Although not denying the positive, but denying that the supplements were taken intentionally. So it's like, it, it's obviously super early in, in what her legacy is going to be. And I think that's kind of, that's another big part of it is, is like, I think a lot of people were sort of like hit by this, like, so shaken by some of this news was just because of that reign of Katie Compton and how much she has been, uh, you know, a, a huge figure in the U.S. cyclocross scene and like you know what does that look like this fall what does that look like next year i mean i think it time will tell especially with the way that she chooses to move forward with this uh i was like so i was actually using i was prefacing i had another point i guess i wanted to to make you know, I really, I did. I, I really respected uh, Katie Compton working with her. She was so pro. Like, she was just so professional. Like, she never, I mean, <laughs> uh, half her team made excuses frequently, but I, I felt like she rarely made excuses. Like, she was always just really honest. Um, and so I wanted actually to just go to her statement. You know, kind of was handled. I think uh, Cosmo Catalano uh, at his uh, newly revamped How the Race Was One uh, blog wrote about it. You know, and I came away from that. I think we had we were all chatting, and then I came away from it uh, texting late at night. It's like he makes some some pretty damning points uh, about the way they handled it regarding her guilt. Um, you know, but I look at her statement, and I just look at the Katie Compton I know, and I guess my initial interpretation. This is what one thing I struggle with was like. I mean, it seemed like she is a person who was willing to accept the consequences. She's like, it's positive. There's nothing I can do. I accept the consequences. And, you know, I think that I read her statement as saying, there's nothing I can do. I tested positive. I don't know. But like, I'm an adult. I'm going to accept this. And I was probably going to retire anyway. Um, You know, whereas I guess some other people made the point, if you read it differently, that it was like, oh, she won't admit to anything. She won't even come up with an excuse. Therefore, you know, kind of the way they handled it is she's guilty. So I guess it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, that was my initial reaction, knowing her, but then maybe that is we do we do have blinders um and i think to to his point he did kind of point out some other people who are media adjacent were pretty forgiving you know initially and being like oh you should totally consider this and i don't know you know that maybe some of that skepticism is gone so i actually really appreciate uh cosmos skepticism and that he presented those arguments but i think for me personally, it just totally like muddied things again uh, in terms of that. You know, what did you guys think about, you know, kind of the reaction? And you know, you've, we've all read kind of the same things that have been out there. Well, the, the first thing that I found interesting, Zach, and I think that we did a good job. You posted this news on the bulletin. And there there are facts out there. Katie Compton is banned from cycling for four years. That is a fact. Katie Compton had a positive test, according to USADA. That is a fact. Katie Compton denied it. Also a fact. When you wrote the headline for this, you said, Katie Compton test positive, receives four-year ban, and 
we had pushback that this was, I mean, from one person, but I mean, I think this was from others, that this was somehow clickbait, that we were, you know, sensationalizing it. And I was like, that's complete bullshit. We posted the facts of what happened. There, there was no trickery. There was no gotcha. It was like, those were the facts. We also had her full statement that you posted in there that she sent out uh, about, I think I received it about 30 minutes to an hour before the news became public, which was, I, I think, a little late in the game to be doing damage control, if that that really seemed to be the point of that statement, to come out right before the USADA statement when you knew about this about in March. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't, this is not a media game, but it kind of is, and maybe this is something you can handle even a month before. There, there are so many instances where we see people innocent or guilty who get out way ahead of this and and make a statement is that the better thing to do or not i don't know but it just seemed like this was almost a last second oh crap this is coming out let me just warn everybody right before it does it it, that did nothing to assuage anybody's astonishment you know when she's telling us and then 30 minutes later you saw it as like coming down with the hammer that didn't really do much (laughs) there but but to get back to it, I, I felt really like we handled that the way it was going to be. And I think that there were other U.S. cycling outlets who did take that other tack, saying, leading with the headline, Compton denies um, uh, uh, USADA sanctions or, or a positive test. I think that that was the way that a lot of other media outlets framed it, which is fine. But I do think that that is the result of some sort of bias or even playing towards the bias of their readers. And I think that that gets into really maybe a conversation that we have to have. And I know, Michael, that this is something that that you want to talk about or already have really addressed is like how we treat non-U.S. riders versus U.S. riders when something happens, especially when it's it's this icon like Katie Compton and. Yeah, I I think that we have been called out in the past for the way that we treated Denise Betsema, who, as I said before, we all agree, should have gotten a longer ban for what she did. That some of that strict liability should have come into play. But on the other hand, she played by, in this instance, she played not maybe by the rules, but by the procedure. She did what she needed to do to get that ban reduced. She successfully did that. She got back in there and racing. And we made fun of her. I mean, outright made fun of her. Called her names. We're kind of like juvenile about it. That's that's how we handled it. We were. It's yeah, that is a fair critique. And I think I do think that we 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 internalized that. And I think we did get better as the season went on. But yes, we were we were very immature early on. Yeah. And <laughs> and and I know that it is a lot. It was actually a couple of British uh subscribers to the show who called us out on that. And to, to them, I think, you know, in retrospect, and you can say, hey, that's, they can say, hey, well, it took Katie Compton, this happened to Katie Compton for you all to realize it. Sure. If that's true, yes, that is, that is the case. But I think that going forward, it is something that we will certainly do a better job of trying to, I, I don't know, I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, not, you know, we shouldn't be making fun of anybody unless we know them and they're our friends and we know that they can take them. And that that was not the case in this this instance. So that was not the right way to handle Denise Betsema. Could I say that that 
if people took offense to the name Burger Time, I hope they know that was from the interview she did <laughs> after a win. But of course, you know, there's, I mean, there's, there, there might be more jokes coming up, you know, with Compton claiming the tainted beef and Denise the Burger Time. Like, so I'm just, I'm looking at tie-ins already. I do want to, I do want to say on, on that end and sort of like moving forward, I think, so I came in, I started watching cycling in 2011. Uh, Cadell Evans winning the tour was my very first grand tour. Um, I remember watching the Lance reason decision on Oprah in 2012, but I was still fairly new. Didn't know much about the past. Um, definitely as a casual observer of cycling, um, and more of a fan of football and basketball, I was like, yeah, of course, Lance Armstrong won seven American exceptionalism. were the best. Yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't, didn't believe, you know, no one's ever doping. You know, so you, and then after that time period, you come to sport, you sort of, I, I definitely, you know, thought it was really clean. You know, I, I, I was like, well, yeah, like doping's over. Like they caught Lance, like that was it. That was like, no, no one would ever dope after that. Right. If someone so big has fallen, like that's the end of it, you know, and you, and you heard about writers, new writers like Taylor Finney, you know, who wouldn't, was pretty adamant about not even taking aspirin or whatever and, and clean writers. And you had Phil Gaiman who was getting clean bars of soap tattooed on his arm and, and other athletes. And so I sort of came up in this, I started following cycling at this time period where it seemed like it was really clean. And, and then as the time has gone by, there's been doping cases and more. And then, and then I met Bill and, and Bill, you know, Bill just really, you know, opened my eyes. <laughs> well, I'm, I was just preface it by saying Bill didn't like give me any info that is not out there. He didn't, you know, there's no, Bill's not holding secrets. But you, be, I started to realize that it wasn't as sparkly clean as I maybe thought as a fan. And then you do at that point, if you are A, a fan and B, covering it in, in any way, have to then put, you know, you got to make a little bit of a difference there. You have to put the, the blind, not the blinders on, but the glasses on to shield yourself and like be able to look at these people objectively. And there is a certain like skill to being like, that was a really good cycling feat I just witnessed. Like, and how it played out in the race was really interesting and this happened. But in the back of my mind, could it be suspect? Possibly. You know, I, I, no, I guess I won't make any, you know, I won't have any opinions until something happens, like, uh, you know, a positive. But there's a certain, like, jadedness and then cynicism that takes over. And I think that that definitely will inform my view Um even more so going forward, watching this sport. Well, and if you're, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know what we hold up ourselves to be. This is such a weird position that we're in with the bulletin and the podcast. But I mean, if you are going to be a good journalist, like you can't be, you have to be cynical. Like you're literally getting fed, fed bullshit all the time. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, so you know, and maybe I, I think with the history of cycling, maybe as fans, too, that maybe you should have some level of cynicism. Because I know, for example, I, uh, Bill, I think you got a message and someone was like, is your whole world destroyed? And we're just you're just kind of like, well, no, like I'm a journalist. Like, you know, I, I covered the sport. Like, yeah, this is, I care about the sport. But any one person like nothing can rattle, you know, nothing, nothing is like shocking yeah that's that's earth shattering that's that's my that's you know and i i'm sorry for all of the acquaintances and even friends that i have who race professionally but 
I, I don't I don't know what anybody's doing. I, I honestly do not know what anybody's doing, and I don't think anybody else does. So I can't assume it sucks. Maybe that's a shitty position to take, but I don't assume anybody is doing anything the right way or anybody's doing anything the wrong way. And 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 to your point, Michael, you know, even even with Lance, the the, the crazy thing about Lance Armstrong is nineteen ninety nine when he came in there and won the tour. That was in the eyes of the Tour de France, they had cleaned up cycling. The year before that was the Festina scandal where, you know, Willie Vote and all these guys were caught with drugs and with, you know, doping and kicked out of the Tour. And, and it was huge. Like the Tour de France was going to end. Here comes this bright-eyed, fresh-looking American cowboy who comes in there. And in his very first tour in 99 that he won, he tested positive. And you wow. can go back and you can see Phil Leggett cover it up on the spot. He used uh, a topical cream. He had a saddle sore. And that's why the, the steroids showed up in his blood sample. But it's nothing to worry about. The And they let him continue. Like, it, there was just red flags from day one. And they and it was like just this dream story for the next seven years, uh, so or even longer than that until until yeah, so until it all came falling down. So there there is so much, and that is the hard thing. That's the hard thing to to love the sport and love following the sport. I mean, I know guys, we do it for the money, but <laughs> on top. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Bill rolled his eyes when he said that. I know you can't see that through the radio. On top of that, there there is we do it because we truly do love and, and you know mostly cyclocross, but also cycling across the board. And you see these things that are really horrible to see. I mean, th th here's one. And again, I'm I'm just putting this out there. I'm not drawing any conclusions. I'm not drawing anything. If you look at the Rabobank squad historically, it had an institutionalized doping program. There were a lot of people who tested positive who raced for Rabobank. So how, how do we figure out how to handle that in our heads? Sven Ness raced for Rabobank. Katie Compton raced for Rabobank. Mariana Voss raced for Rabobank. It's real. It's it's the type of thing, the the rabbit holes you do not want to go down, or you'll just like walk away from cycling, and that's that's where you just got to be like, if you test positive, you take the consequences, and if you want to like try to get the get the, the the board with the with the threads and the tacks and everything else, and try to figure out who's doing what because they race for who when, then you're just going to go nuts, and you're never gonna. You know, you're going to be like these guys uh, who I had to consistently block because uh, they they kept showing a video I put up of Evie Richards when she won Worlds as a U23 and were convinced she had a motor in her bike. And there was nothing you could do to prove it otherwise. So, you know, the, the conspiracies can just go so far. And I don't think I'm there, but at the same time, I have a lot of skepticism and just sort of realism about the people who do the sport, the people who are competitors. And also, you know, and I, I'll let you guys jump in here. I'm sorry to dominate the conversation, but also I think that we need to discuss the special level of moral 
standing that we put onto cycling that we may not put onto other sports. And I think that's, that is a huge part of this. Can, can we get back to that? Uh, I've just had like, so I had this thought as we're having this conversation and getting back to why people may be upset about it. I think, I think as, as cyclocross fans, like, look, you have two things, right? And here's what I think people are looking probably for some sort of uh, definite, definitive answer to. So uh, Katie Compton has won a lot, but she's also been really outspoken uh, anti-doping uh, advocate. Like, no question about that. She stepped up when the Buttsmith thing happened. She got pilloried in the Dutch media for, for taking that stand. So you really have two things. What we, what I think most people want to believe is that she, I guess, ate tainted beef and tested positive and is accepting her consequence and saying, all right, that's, that's what happened. The other reality, and I think what we're all kind of like talking around, the other reality is that like she doped. And she gaslighted people. And I think that's really why I think there's this tendency to say, well, we should take Katie's side. I think that's a big part of it is like, hey, here's this person we all liked. We all cheered for him. I mean, you know, we did the the silent journalist fist pump. It was always under the table is how I learned it. You do the fist pump under the table to celebrate. Um, but like then she doped. I don't think we want to deal with that. Like that's the other side. And like we can talk about every which way. And I think like we just want the answer to be her answer. And it, it may, I guess ultimately it may not be. And then, then you go down the rabbit hole. Well, you know, like how long was she doping? Like how many of her titles are illegitimate? When did she start doping? Why did she start? You know, like that's what we don't want to address, but that is an equally plausible answer. I think a lot of people would argue but is the only plausible answer. And I, I think ultimately that's kind of, I feel like in a way we've kind of talked around that getting to, to right. that crux of the issue. Yeah. And I don't have an answer. Like, I'm not going to make an answer. I'm not going to make a decision, but like, cause that's, it goes back to what I was saying. It's the hardest thing. We don't know. Right. As you said, Bill, I, no one knows. Maybe two people know the truth. And we're sort of left in that. We're sort of left. We're, you know, it's, we're left dealing with this. I mean, Katie is dealing with consequences, but we're sort of like left dealing with that. And we're the ones who will who will go on next year racing, uh, you know, as fans, as, as, as journalists, as, as photographers, like as media. We will continue on, you know, and we're sort of dealing with that. We're going to have to pick up what has been dropped or what is the, what the mess that has been made. And that's tough. Yeah. And it opens yeah. a lot of hard questions. Yeah, and and just to, to to clarify, what we don't know is the intentionality. What we do know is that there was a positive test. I, right. d- I just want to make that clear. I don't think any of us here are arguing the case that the the test was somehow flawed. There is a small possibility, or a possibility. I don't know what it was that it was flawed, but that's personally that's not an argument I'm I'm prepared. To make i i have I, I believe these these tests at this point are accurate enough to know that this 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 was in her system and and shouldn't have been there the the, the thing that we don't know is if it was intentional or if it wasn't and I, I you know anything past that is 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 an assumption but i think one of the difficult things that you touched on michael is that Katie Compton won 
how many national championships? 15. 15. So, and this, I think this is the most difficult thing. You saw it at every grassroots race you went to. You saw kids, men, you know, boys and girls who idolized Katie Compton. And have, adults. And adults. adults. But, year olds. <laughs> but even even just just talk about the kids that then grew up to be professional racers who had this woman as their idol for their whole career. That that's that's a tough blow that you have sort of modeled your career into I want to be the next Katie Compton for then this to happen. And I and I think, Zach, what we have found is that. We're hearing more from Katie's peers that I think want everything to be handled with an even approach that other women, you know, who are found guilty of the same thing are treated, where I think it's much difficult and, and rightfully so for some of these younger riders who all they have known is Katie Compton, national champion, that that's that's really tough. I mean, it, it is, <laughs> this isn't just some random person who's won a race or two who tested positive. I mean, that's, that's what we're saying. I mean, this is like Miss USA for, for cyclocross or just, well, and I, I get to, I mean, that's the thing though, is like she, how, you know, she created this standard of like, I am clean. I, you know, I did this legitimacy legitimately. And I think that was, I would just say that it was more a part of her personality. I think we can think of a few other writers have made it, you know, but like, I think we can think of a writer writers who just don't talk about it. You know, you, you assume or whatever, that's just not a thing they talk about. And I think that's part of it too, because like, you know, it's, I don't know, it's the holding yourself up and it's, it could be viewed as hypocrisy. And again, I think that's why people want you. There's this, like, I, I can see for a lot of people to want like her story, her side of it to be the case. Like she doesn't know, or it was this food or whatever. Cause like, I'm just like that other side is just dark. Yeah. Well, I, you're right. It's, it's hypocrisy, but it, I think it, in, until it becomes hypocrisy, it's, it's confidence. It's it's what your it is your brand, right? It's it's everything that you've built it up to be, and un, un, until it's until it's not, and it's those kind of philosophical questions. And as I, I talked about before, just the morality of it that I think is 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 really interesting. I think that it's something that we've talked about a lot in U.S. cyclocross and the appeal of U.S. cyclocross and the difference between U.S. and European cyclocross at the professional level is that it is a participatory sport where the participation from the amateur to the pro level all happens at the same venue on the same day. So I, I, I've gotten in trouble before saying, well, they don't, there's no amateur racing in Europe. It, that's untrue. There is Belgian amateur racing. There is Dutch amateur racing. It doesn't happen at Coke Sida. They're not, there's not a Cat 3-4 race before the men's and women's races at the World Cup level. It's at a completely different venue somewhere away from it. This is a professional sporting event. In the U.S., we can say they're pros. I like to, I think on this show, we like to say they're elites. They are racing at the end of the day. They are racing on the same course as the amateurs. Therefore, we sort of hold the same standards as we hold ourselves to the pros. 
I don't think that happens. And this happens in road racing. This happens in, in mountain bike racing in the U.S. There's no other sport that I can think of that that happens. You know, you have like, sometimes we compare amateur cyclocross to, to beer league softball, but it's not beer league softball and then the Yankees play. You know, it's just beer league softball. That's it. Where we have this thing where then we want to get up to the, we think that we're going to be good enough to be a pro or an elite, and then we're going to win prize money and we're going to be racing at the UCI. And that's a dream we have. So if somebody does something wrong, if somebody cheats, somehow we're affected by that. Me as an amateur, that could have been me if it wasn't for that person cheating. And I think that's, that doesn't happen in other sports. And that really affects this conversation in in a huge way yeah i mean i guess i if you haven't um i've probably made this point like a million times um but my friend made the point that uh and and this even came out in, in katie's katie's statement uh in europe they treat it like a sport like we do the NFL uh, and they treat doping as part of the sport. And in America, we treat it like a moral failure. Uh, and I think that, you know, she, she mentioned like she was morally opposed to doping, like had <laughs> strongly taken that, um, you know, that stance or whatever. And I think like that's that's part of it, Bill, that you're kind of kind of getting at. Just figured I'd throw that in there, if you know, new listeners or whatever, because I think it's just such a salient point um, that really frames, like, if you think about how we talk about doping, I mean, you know, like, there's people who haven't, I don't know, it's just... Well, I, I mentioned this in the green room, I'll, I'll bring it up here as well. The, the, the example that I always give to sort of uh, compare how we see cycling, how the cycling media sees cycling in the u.s versus how other sports are handled is is brian cushing who was a linebacker may still be playing played for the texans but this was 2009 2009 he's a rookie he wins defensive rookie of the year in 2009 and then he tests positive for steroids and they decide that because of this test, and this is this is a an award that is voted on by the sports writers, they decide to 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 run the ballot again. That this is a guy who cheated. This is a guy who had a positive test. We need to. We really shouldn't. You know, we should give everybody with all of the facts the opportunity to vote again to see who the rookie of the year is on the defensive side. Everybody revoted. It was a unanimous vote, and they all voted for Cushing again. So even knowing this, even knowing that this was a doper, something that we hold as the greatest evil in cycling, and I, I'm not. I, I'm against it in cycling. I'm not saying that, and I understand the differences. This is a team sport. It's one guy who's doing something versus somebody who's cheating to win and take away, you know, a victory from somebody else. They're different things. At the same time, it's the same. And the way it's handled in the NFL, the way it's handled in all major sports in the U.S., the way that cycling as seen as a major sport in Europe is completely different than the way we see it. And we treat it completely different. It does have that moral stand to, the, to it. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think if we got rid of that, it means that we would get rid of it as being that the participatory part would go away. It would just be a professional sport like everything else. These would be just superhumans that would be doing the sport. And we'd be like, 
cool. Let's watch it on TV. It's great. We, we don't get to do that. That's just not how it works in the U.S. So I think that having this moral standard to it isn't necessarily wrong, but it is completely different for the exact same offenses that happen in other sports. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally, I mean, I, I think we've talked about this before. You know, I came into the, I started doing cycling as a sport in 2013. So I'm even newer than, than Michael. And I came from being a baseball and football and basketball fan. And I've just been shot, you know, like this idea that somehow like cycling is the, this pure, it's kind of like soccer, like soccer fans are the worst, like, sorry, if the, but like <laughs> that it's somehow more pure and beautiful than other sports or whatever. And I think that like cycling does hold that. And you see that a lot. We saw that with like the tier de France this summer from people and whatnot. And I just don't know, I guess, you know, for me, maybe it's, it's a sport and I guess this stuff just doesn't shock me. Uh, but you know, I think Bill, I, I, to be honest, I'd never viewed it from your lens that it is, is participatory, participatory. And I think it like, it certainly influences everything we do. I mean, I know it influences my journalism because I can, at least I can race cyclocross and have an idea and like think you know like do the sport in a different way whereas like i don't know what it's like to throw a lob to Giannis. like you know like i I can't even relate to that and so it does create like this different dynamic and i i think you make a very good point that i had really never considered before so i appreciate that anything else to add michael i i I, and maybe this is sort of a a way to let you know where I'm at. Um, we recently moved recently, I guess maybe eight months now to a new house at our old house. We had a Katie Compton poster, um, that we got from the Trek cup and we got it framed in town, really nice frame and it, it hung up in our bedroom. It's a beautiful piece of art. Um, I haven't hung it up in our new house and I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm going to hang it up. I think, I am of two sides about it because one, it is a beautiful piece of art that represents a piece of time, an event that I was at. I really enjoyed it, but it also is right now, you know, it's a doper. Uh, do I want to put that on my walls? Um, I don't know. You know, it's, it'll probably stay on the floor in my office for a while. Um, and, and it'll be, I think as the year progresses and the season goes on and we sort of maybe hear more about this, we maybe learn more, maybe we don't. Um, do we like, I, will, will we just kind of move past it to the next sports story? You know, like, will this in a month not be that big of a deal? Um, and then will that, will that poster go back up on my wall? I don't know. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And I think that, you know, if you look at Katie herself, she's in nursing school right now. She's obviously moved on and I don't think that they are really going to be talking about this anymore i think that we can look back at 2019 and be even more thankful that clara hansinger was able to win the national championship and that we have a a a national champion who is not katie compton i think that that is a for many reasons is a good thing i think that you know after 15 years it's great to have someone else in there but also under these circumstances it makes it better and and yeah i you know as 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 you know i I think it's worth mentioning i think i i haven't listened to the slow ride um episode yet where they discuss this i believe uh but 
Spencer and I made the decision a couple of years ago that we thought it'd be a cool thing to elevate the 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 network, the Wide Angle Podium Network, to sponsor Katie Compton, and we did, and we gave her a few thousand dollars to to help her during the season and talk about the Wide Angle Podium Network, and uh, it's going to be a long time until we give money to another rider. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just just because you know it's 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 the type of thing you just you just don't know i think and i think there are much and since that time we've done a lot with um animal rescue and flood relief and other charitable organizations and that i think that's a that's a safer way to go in the future for that money i didn't think i was going to talk that much about this i came in <laughs> here saying i really don't have that much to say so um <laughs> i guess i should we reconvene the pit next week? I, I think that uh, you're on vacation, so two yeah. weeks. We'll yeah. reconvene. Uh, I think we should we should just leave it here instead of trying to shoehorn. And that'll be good because we'll be closer uh, to cyclocross season. I just looked. I was looking at the schedule before this. Our first, The first Euro race is on my birthday on 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> like, we've got racing starting uh, racing. pretty soon. And the first U.S. race is a week after that. So, yeah, I think it'll be time to like start talking about this cyclocross season, the present, uh, the future. Uh, and I think that'll be good, good, good to do in two weeks. I think that, um, we should, uh, be ready to go for that. Zach, I didn't get to my, I had a three part joke in the beginning. We got two parts in. Um, so before we get out of here, you are the arbiter of all things, B A C K exclamation point. Am I back? Am I back on the pit? When my, my puns back is like, Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, like, although it was the first day of school, you were in like mid-semester form. Like, I, you brought it for sure. Thanks. Like, I think that, yeah, no, for sure. Thanks for that validation. Uh, I appreciate it. No, I'm excited to, to see what happens with the puns. I think uh, we've got this whole, we've got a nice treasure trove. We haven't dug into the uh, U.S. racing uh, treasure trove of puns. So we'll definitely be able to, to go back to that well. We've got all those riders who didn't get to race in 2020. And so we've got names galore. Uh, I just, I'm excited. I'm excited for the intro uh, to the show for the rest of uh, this coming season. I'm excited about the, the media pit being back. All right. Hang in there, everyone. We'll see you next time. Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast, and we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours the Grodio Podcast.